This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. As we launched our series last Sunday, we recognized the reality that God is like a good and perfect and loving and powerful Heavenly Father. And that when Jesus came to this earth, he did not invite us into a cosmic game of Jesus Says which we said is a lot like Simon says, except for with God. Like Jesus says, do this, don't do that. Jesus says, look here, don't look there. Jesus says, go over here, don't go over there. And a lot of us were raised in a faith tradition that talked about Christianity like a giant game of Jesus says. And it was a lose-lose game because the better we did at it, the longer we stayed standing, the more judgmental we got towards everyone who was sitting down. And if we got out early in the game of Jesus says, we just felt bad about ourselves because everyone else seemed to still be standing. And what we discovered last week is that Jesus did not invite us into a cosmic game of Jesus says. Instead, he invited us to do something that is revolutionary. And he invited young people to do it and old people to do it. He invited women to do it and men. He invited, he invited little children to come. He invited the people who we think, of course, they got the invitation And he invited people who you and I would think, how on earth did they make it in? And here was the invitation that Jesus gave over and over and over again. And we're exploring the realities and the implications of this invitation in this series. The invitation that he gave to young and old, rich and poor, women and men, people who we think are in, people who we think, how did they get in, was simply this. Follow me. Follow me. And he said that in the following, we experience transformation and change and healing. But it's important to note, and we noted this last week, that we don't change in order to follow. We change because we are following. And Jesus said to us, there are a few prerequisites to following. And the first one is this. You have to acknowledge that you're you're sick. We talked about this last week, that he said that we all have this thing called sin. And, and initially when I say it, some of us bristle. We're like, what? But Jesus described it very simply. He said, listen, we can't follow our own moral code sometimes. Forget about God's moral code. We can't follow our own. We don't do what we think we ought to do. There are times in our lives when we say things and do things and we act certain ways and we think, what am I doing? Take God out of it completely. We just don't do what we want to do. Jesus said there, there are some times when we don't do what we tell our kids to do on a consistent basis. Be nice. Use your manners. Clean up after yourself. Don't punch people. (laughs) And we as adults can't do what we ask our kids to do. We don't do what we ask our coworkers to do. Don't take that extra pen from the company. Please don't look at Facebook while you're supposed to be working. And then we're in our offices, you know, oh, look at that. 20 likes. That's fantastic. (laughs) Or 20 likes. What? That was a better post than 20 likes. I took that picture five times. How did they not... Jesus says that that missing the mark of what we believe is something that reveals to us that we've got this thing inside of us called sin. And sin is simply a sickness that we cannot overcome on our own. And Jesus describes himself as a doctor who came to heal us of our sickness. But he didn't heal us by saying, fix it. He healed us by saying, follow me. And in the following we experience the healing and the transformation. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. How does that happen as we follow? But it's important to note, 
that being a sinner does not disqualify us from following Jesus. In fact, it's a prerequisite. The only people who had a really hard time with Jesus are people who thought they did not need a doctor because they did not think they were sick. So realizing, oh, there's some sickness in me. It's not a put down of you. And it's not a put down of me. It is a reality of the human condition. And the other thing that Jesus uh, reminded us of is that you don't actually have to believe everything about Jesus in order to follow Jesus. You, can, you and I can actually follow before we fully believe. And that was met with some mixed feelings last week as well. Like, wait a minute, are you saying I don't have to believe everything that Jesus says in order to follow him? And according to the Bible, according to the biographies of Jesus' life, his closest followers, the people who, if you were raised in the church, you kind of elevate to being up here. It wasn't until two years into following Jesus that the author said that they actually believed. Two years of following before they believed. And even then, they didn't believe everything, but they believed enough. And so we said there's incredible freedom in following Jesus. You don't actually have to believe everything to follow the things that you believe. Because as you take a step to follow, God will reveal himself to you even more and build that trust. And we're going to talk today about the definition of faith. But here's a little spoiler alert. Faith is about trusting enough to try. And following is simply about trusting enough to take the next step, to check out Dr. Jesus and the things that he says about himself. And so the question we're asking in this series is not how good am I, how right am I, how good am I at Jesus says, it's am I following? And I asked us last week, would you, would you just take some time to think through that question? Am I following? And based on your answer to that question, this week we're going to talk about four different phases of following Jesus. And we're going to do it by looking at two different accounts of the same interaction that Jesus has with a group of fishermen. And it's really interesting. In the first account, we're going to find kind of a snapshot, a synopsis of it that's really brief. And it leaves us asking the question, did that really happen like that? And then the second account zooms out, spreads out the dialogue, and gives us some more clarity. The first interaction is written by a man named Matthew, and he was a biographer of Jesus's life, writing primarily to a Jewish community who knew about God and was just figuring out that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's story. And he gives us a brief synopsis. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers— Simon called Peter and Andrew and his brother Andrew, and they were casting their nets into a lake because they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said. There it is. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And this is where you and I pause and we think, what? Did that really happen? These two guys are fishing. They've got their career. They're casting nets. Things seem to be going okay. They've got some boats. They're building their clientele. They're building their inventory. And Jesus walks up and he says, follow me. And they just left everything and followed him. Doesn't that seem a little extreme? I mean, if we're honest, if we're honest, that right there is why we pedestal certain Christians. We think that's what a real Christian is. You know, if I was a real, like, if you've been following Jesus for a while, we have this thing that we do, and I taught on it about a year ago called Top Shelf Thinking in our Top Shelf Jesus series, where I said, uh, we put some people up on the top shelf. They're the best. They're the brightest. We look up to them. We pedestal them. The problem is Jesus came to dismantle Top Shelf Thinking because that's not what's actually happening here. 
this leads us to the type of people who would say, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, and usually they're pounding on something, so let me just try to do this. If Jesus isn't Lord, that hurts, of all, that he's not Lord at all. Were some of you raised in a church like that? It's like, wait a minute. That doesn't fit with the larger Jesus story, which is a story of continual trust, of taking next steps, of learning to give your lives more fully to Jesus. And the reason why this story seems incomplete is because it is incomplete. We get a second part to the same story in the biography of Jesus' life called the book of Luke. Now, Luke was written by a doctor named Luke to a non-Jewish community, And Luke is trying to help this non-Jewish community figure out what it looks like to take steps to trust Jesus. And as we spend our time in this story, I want you to think about the differences that you see between the first story and the second story. It says in chapter 5, verse 1, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the same sea that we talked about earlier. And the people were crowded around him, and they were listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats— They were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. If you would trust me for a second, just close your eyes. I want us to picture this scene together. We've got a safety team. You're fine. Just close your eyes for a second and picture the scene. Smell the water in the air. Listen to the birds that are squawking as they're picking at the nets, trying to get out last little bits of fish. Feel the sand kind of coming up in between your sandals. Over to the side, there are two boats, and there are some men, and they're cleaning their nets, because that's what fishermen did in the morning. They cleaned their nets after a night of fishing. And there you see Jesus. He's standing, and he's talking to people about God, and he's teaching in a new way that people, they've never seen or heard anything like this. And so as he's talking, two people come, then five, then 10, then 50, and a group begins to gather around to listen. Okay, you can open your eyes. And they're listening to Jesus because following Jesus always begins by listening. There's no such thing as blind faith. Faith should have an intellectual component to it. It should have a listening component to it. We're going to meet these guys in just a second, but these guys are cleaning their nets, but they're in earshot of Jesus talking. And as they clean and get ready, what they would do is they would fish at night They would clean the fish and clean the nets in the morning. Then they would go sell their fish at market. As they're doing that, they are listening. Verse 3 says this, And Jesus got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon. Now, this guy, Simon, is also named Peter. So I'm going to go back and forth. It's the same guy. He gets a name change a little bit later. He got into the boat that belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little bit from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people, because the people were crowding around to listen to Jesus, and he had to pull away. So he gets into a boat, he goes out a little bit, and he was speaking over the water, and the water is amplifying his voice, because he didn't have a microphone, so the water's amplifying his voice. And Jesus walked up to Simon, and he said, could I inconvenience you for a minute? It's not going to be major, but could I inconvenience you? Could we just take your boat and just move out a little bit into the water? Which leads us to our second point, which is that following Jesus grows when we feel safe enough to ask real questions. See, we created new life, and we created life groups, which are these small gatherings where we form relationships and we explore faith 
We created our leadership structure so that we don't sit up in a tower, so that we're here and accessible. We created New Life to be a safe place to ask dangerous questions. Questions that could be life-changing. Questions about family, about purpose, about vocation, questions about faith, questions about marriage, questions about what am I here for, questions about money. We created this to be a safe place to ask dangerous questions because we know that when we get honest enough with God and we find a safe enough community to engage with God and ask real questions, that's when God begins to change and transform our lives. So it starts with hearing, and it moves to being willing to ask some questions. Jesus goes to Simon, and he says, could I inconvenience you for a second? But what Jesus is really doing is he's sparking a relationship. Hey, could we have a moment? Could we just talk about something? I want you to get a front row seat to what I'm doing. Don't stand back in the crowd. Come with me. Verse 4 says that when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Hey, Simon, put out in deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have not caught anything. But, and I want you to underline this next part, because you said so, I will let down my nets. Here's a little backstory for those of us who aren't net fishermen. And I know many of us are, but for those of us who aren't net fishermen... (laughs) The reason why net fishermen would fish at night is because the water's cooler and the fish come to the surface to warm up a little bit. They'd throw their nets out and they would gather the fish. In the day, the sun would come out, the water would warm up, and the fish would go deeper to a little bit cooler water. So you could not really net fish during the day. You only did your net fishing at night. And that's exactly what Simon and his friends had done. They'd been out fishing all night. They're exhausted. They're dirty. They smell like bait, but they don't smell like fish. Because they did not catch anything. So they're frustrated. You ever go out fishing with your friends and everyone else catches something and you don't? I've never had that experience. (laughs) But maybe you have. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. And Jesus says to Simon, Hey, Simon, I want you to do something that you've done a hundred times. But I want you to do it my way. You're a fisherman. You know how to fish. We fish at night. That's what we do. You've always done it this way. I want you to try doing it my way. And if the crowd saw Peter fishing during the day, you know what his fishermen buddies would have thought? That guy is an idiot. What is he doing? He's wasting his time. No one fishes that way. But Simon looks at Jesus And the subtext is this, Jesus, I have just enough respect for you to try. I have just enough, here's a word I want to talk about for a minute because it's a loaded church word, faith to try because you said so. And faith is simply this, faith is trusting God enough to try. That's what it is. Faith is trusting God enough to say, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't actually think it's going to work. But because you said so, I'll take a step. I'll try. And the reason we know Peter at all, the reason why we're talking about him today, is because he trusted God enough to try in this defining moment. And here's the thing about defining moments. We never know when a defining moment is going to come. 
It's only in the rearview mirror that we realize, oh my goodness, that was a defining moment. I want you to look at this picture up on the screen. That's St. Peter's Basilica. Now, you know what Jesus didn't do that day? Jesus didn't walk up to Simon, who is Peter, who would become St. Peter, who was buried there. Jesus didn't walk up to him and say, hey, if you put out for a catch today, let me show you something. He didn't pull out the picture and say, this is where you're going to be buried. And thousands of people are going to come every day to see the space where you were buried. He didn't say to Peter, if you do this one thing, it will change the direction of your life. It wasn't until Peter looked in the rearview mirror of his life that he realized this is a defining moment where he chose to trust. Now let me ask you, have you ever had one of these moments? You would say, I've always done marriage this way. I've always done my finances this way. I've always done work this way. And Jesus is just nudging you. Would you do the same thing you've always done? But would you do it my way? You and I never know. We never know. If that one nudge from God and that one step of faith is the thing that would launch us into God's preferred future for our lives, we never know until we do it. And he doesn't say, because I thought so. He said, I will do it because I trust you, Jesus, just enough to try. And here's what happens next. I love it. It says, when they had done so, not when they had believed so, not when they had thought so, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners over in the boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that the boats began to sink. Are you kidding me? Picture it again in your mind. These are big rowboats, right? And they're so full of fish, doing their fish thing. Like, oh, it's hitting them in the face. What's going on? They're like, help, help. This is what happened, okay? I, I don't have it, like, it's not written in there, but I'm just, there's a subtext. This is a real story. This really happened. Imagine, so many fish in the boat that it begins to sink. What would that look like? That's what it would look like. Yeah, a lot of fish. It began to sink. They both begin to sink. Taking a step of faith, because Jesus said so, often leads us to faith-growing experiences. But here's the crazy thing about following Jesus. Just thinking about something Jesus says, just pondering it, just wondering about it, it's a great first step. But there comes a point when we have to say, Jesus, I trust you enough to try. I don't know how it's going to work out. There's no guarantee that's going to save my marriage if I try to do marriage the way you say to do it. Jesus, the things you say about money, there's some wisdom in the saving and not being in debt, but that whole thing about giving 10% away, no, that seems crazy. Jesus, I like my company the way it is. Sure, we navigate in a little bit of the gray, but there's gray in life. For some of us, we're one faith step away from God showing up with his faithfulness. And the crazy thing about faith, the crazy thing about following Jesus is that as we follow him and take a step of faith, God almost always shows up with his faithfulness. 
And he often does it in unexpected ways that we would never dream of. Let's see how the story finishes out. And then I want to talk about some implications for us. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees, at the knees of Jesus. And he said, get away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. Again, he's recognizing, oh, there's some sickness in me compared to the bigness and perfectness of God. Get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Because he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had been taken. Let's skip down. Then Jesus said to Simon, I love this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Just a simple translation. He's saying, Simon, your focus has been on this vocation. I want to turn your eyes up. I want loving people to be your vocation. I want serving people to be your vocation. I want helping people experience the life-changing love of God that you're experiencing to be your vocation. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. And so they pulled their boats to the shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. Here's the interesting thing about this story. When Peter sees all these fish, and the boats are about to sink, and we're doing— they get to the shore, and, and Peter doesn't geek out about the fish. He's not like, I'm set. This is amazing. I'm going to break all kinds of records in market this week. What does he do? He recognizes his need for God. And what does Jesus do in response? Jesus doesn't say, it's about time, you dirty sinner. Like, you're right. You are crap. He doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus likes Peter. He's quite fond of him. Jesus and Peter become best buddies on this journey together. He loves Peter. What does he say to Peter? Peter, you're in a perfect spot. You've identified that there's a sickness. You've identified that I have an answer to this life question that you cannot answer on your own. Now come and follow me. And in a room this size, we are all across the following Jesus spectrum. Some of us are in phase one. Phase one is sit and listen. You're here and you're just, you're checking this whole thing out. A friend brought you, maybe you came and served uh, at the fire relief. And you thought, well, they seem fairly normal. I'll go check them out. And you're in the sit and listen phase. If that's you, your next step is to come back next week. Just come back. Keep listening. Maybe pick up that book a friend gave you years ago that's just been sitting over in the corner and just start reading it. Maybe it's downloading the Bible app, YouVersion Bible app on your phone and just starting to read the book of Luke just to check Jesus out a little more. Here's the crazy thing about the Bible app. If you're like, I don't like to read. I'm not a reader. It reads to you. It's awesome. Like You don't even have to tire out your eyes by moving back and forth. It's brilliant. So grab the Bible app. Keep listening. Some of us are in phase two. I call this the lone Jesus, your boat phase. This is the spot where Jesus begins to ask you if you would inconvenience yourself in a minor way for the sake of connecting with God a little bit more. If you're in phase two, just exploring what it would look like to follow Jesus. Maybe taking that next step for you is something like joining a life group in the spring when we start our life groups up again. It's a minor inconvenience. It's one night or one morning a week for an hour and a half 
where you're getting to know people you don't really know. And some of us are like, oh, man, I'm an introvert. And that's like, that's a big stretch for me. The nice thing is you will go home and sleep like a baby because you'll be so worn out from being around people. <laughs> but maybe your next step is to minorly inconvenience yourself. Maybe it's going to a friend whose faith journey you admire and saying, hey, could I take you out to coffee? Sure, if we go to Starbucks, it's going to cost me 25 bucks, but I'll, I will inconvenience myself in a minor way. Can I take you to coffee, and would you just tell me your, your story of following God? It's just a minor next step. Then the third one is this. Take Jesus fishing. I want to press into this a little bit, because I think a good number of us are here. This is the spot where God asks us to do something we've always done, but to do it differently, to do it his way. And even as I was saying that and giving a few examples, some of us were like, oh, that's my thing. Maybe it's your marriage. You've done marriage fairly successfully for 10 years. Maybe it's dating. You've done dating and you've done it fairly successfully. It's been okay. Like you've you've had a lot of dates. But Jesus is saying, would you do the thing you've always done, but would you do it my way? Maybe it's your finances. You're staying afloat. You've always done finances one way. And Jesus is saying, but would you just do it my way? It could be business. It could be, quite honestly, it could be anything. This is the cool thing about following God is God knows where you are in your journey. And so it's not one size fits all. My next step could be different than your next step. In fact, it probably is. But for some of us, it's time for us to take Jesus fishing in some area of our life. And the last one is this. It's leave your nets. This is where you say, I've had enough take Jesus fishing experiences where I did something his way. I took a step of faith and God showed up with his faithfulness. And then I tried this thing over here and I took a step and God showed up and was faithful. And then I tried this other thing and you've had enough of those experiences and you say, you know what, God, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to orient my life towards you 100%. Now, that does not mean perfection. Let me be as clear as I can. The best we can say, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks, the best we can say is, God, I want to want what you want more than I want to want what I want. I used to say this type of life would be where you would say, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. I've recognized that that might actually be a little bit too tight. Because sometimes we don't want what God wants more than we want what we want, and we're fully devoted to following Jesus. So how about this phrase? And we'll talk about it again in a few weeks. God, I want to want what you want more than I want to want what I want. I don't currently want what you want more than I want what I want, but I'd like to. This is the phase of life, and this is what I had when I was 17. I had this faith awakening experience where I said to Jesus, wherever you go, I will follow. Wherever you take me, I'll go. I made my worst mess-ups and my worst mistakes after that moment. So it's not a guarantee of perfection. It is an orientation that says, Jesus, when you and I come up against something, we're going to duke it out. I'm not walking away from the conversation. Jesus, when I'm reading my Bible and I get to a page and I don't like what it says, I'm not going to just turn to the next page and pretend it doesn't say that. I'm going to actually engage with you about it. This is where we would say, Jesus, I want to want what you want more than I want to want what I want. And the point of this journey is not to grade ourselves. It's simply to identify where we are. 
and then to take our next step to follow. Because it's in following Jesus that we experience that change and transformation and healing that we ultimately really want in our lives. So the question that I want to leave us with this morning is simply this. Am I willing to take my next step? Am I willing to take it? Am I willing to go home and sit with these and take my unique next step? If you are, here's some ideas. And they're at the bottom of your teaching notes. One, grab the YouVersion Bible app. If you're in the listen phase, or how about this? If you don't have a Bible or you're not reading a Bible, this is a good step. Let it read to you. My goodness. How many of us grew up thinking, I wish someone would just read to me. Like, I don't have to learn how to read. <sighs> Sucker. You, you don't have to. A guy with a really sweet English accent will read to you. And if he's too slow, you can speed him up. You have complete control. Start reading. Maybe start with the book of Luke. That's a great step. How about this? And I tried to phrase this better. In fact, my assistant who was helping with the teaching note said, that next point doesn't make sense. And I said, well, that's the best I can do. And it's this. Um, If God's been nudging you to do something you've always done, but do it his way. And I wanted dot, dot, dot. Why not try? Maybe that's a great next step. If you've been sitting here and you're thinking, there is something, I know there is, that God's been nudging me to do. I always do it. I've always done it, but he's been nudging me to do it his way. Why not try this week and see what happens? Just see what happens. And then the third one is this. If you're ready to leave your nets, if you're ready to go all in, to orient your life around Jesus, say, I I do, I do want what you want more than I want what I want. I'm not always going to get it right. I'm not always going to be perfect, but I do, Jesus. I, I want it. I want this life with you where you're my leader, where you're the savior of my life, where you are the shot caller. I don't even know if that's bad, but because you're laughing, I'm guessing it is. Then here's what I would suggest to you. Go home this afternoon. Just have a conversation with God about it. There's no formal thing. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to recite a formal prayer. Go to God and say, God, I do. I want, I want what you want more than I want what I want. I want this life with you. I want to follow you. And then next week, we'll talk about one of the biggest payoffs to following Jesus. And guess what? It's not what you think. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that the invitation that you give is for everyone always that you cross gender lines, that you cross race and ethnicity lines, that you cross socioeconomic lines, that you cross age lines, that this invitation to follow is for everyone always. Thank you, Jesus, that that includes us. And this week, as we go out, as we ponder this question, am I willing to take my next step? And what is my next step? Jesus, would you help us to trust enough to try? In the words of the Bible, would you increase our faith so that we can trust you enough to try? And in the trying, Jesus, would you show up faithful to us like I know you will? We love you, God, and we're excited to follow. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.